Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to become a mom without totally losing yourself in the process. As a newer mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the pressures that come along with becoming a mom. First of all, motherhood is taxing. It is consuming. It requires everything you have to give and often way more than that. And so being a mom while also trying to you know, be yourself, it's a lot. It's also a lot because the expectations society puts on mothers are high. There's no shortage of opinions on what a good mom should do and be and act like and provide for her kids. The list of expectations is so long, it's actually totally impossible to measure up to, which leaves a lot of us feeling like we're failing. And this is an area of life where we absolutely do not want to fail. We're pouring over the parenting books out there, trying our very best to do everything exactly right and feeling like we are going to mess up our kids' lives or just mess up our kids in general if we make even one tiny mistake. We're killing ourselves trying to be perfect and still somehow falling short. Is this really what our kids need from us? I think the answer is no. It doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. There is a better way. And that's why I cannot wait for this conversation. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Allie Worthington. Allie is an entrepreneur, an author, a podcaster, and is helping women reach their dreams in business and in life. She's also a mother of five boys. So she has been on this motherhood journey for a while now and has learned so much along the way. Allie recently wrote a book that I'm so excited about. It's called Remaining You While Raising Them, The Secret Art of Confident Motherhood. This book is not a parenting book, but rather a book focused on moms. In it, she's sharing why modern motherhood is broken and helping us remove the myths we've believed about what it means to be a good mom. And from the principles she wrote in this book, Allie is gonna teach us how to intentionally care for ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically as a new mom, how to conquer the mom guilt we might be feeling, how to stop comparing ourselves to other moms, how to embrace our unique mothering style, and more. This episode is for the brand new mom or for the woman who wants to be a mom but is scared of the pressure that comes along with it or for the mom who's been a mom for a while now but is just positively drowning under the expectations that come with it. Friends, no matter where you are in the process, I promise that you will come out of this conversation feeling so empowered and encouraged and I hope really free. I can't wait to share it with you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. 
Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, friends, I am so excited for who you get to talk with today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Allie Worthington, and... To get to sit with her for the next hour is like just a gift for my heart. And so I feel like th- I feel like this is for me. I'm glad you guys can be here also, but I feel like this is for me. Um, so Allie, thanks so much for coming back on Girls Night. I am thrilled to be here. We're going to have so much fun. This is so good. So um, we've had you on the show one time before, and we'll yep. go ahead and link to that episode uh, in our show notes so everyone can go back and hear from you there. But um, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Yes, I am the mother of five boys. That's my claim to fame. I also have an amazing stepdaughter. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an author. I here's a fun fact about me. I'm a roller coaster enthusiast. I'm a theme park enthusiast. I love theme parks, amusement parks, Disney, Universal, Dollywood, the whole works. Give me a soft pretzel and a roller coaster and something fun to do. And I'm in my happy place for anyone who can see us right now. I have a collection of Disney mouse ears behind me. I, I, this wasn't something that I loved when I was little. As, as I've gotten older, I've kind of come into my own. And it's actually something that my children ha- and I have developed a love of together. One of the things that I decided as a mom is one of the ways that I was going to kind of connect with my teenagers as my teenagers have gotten older is I want to love something that they love so we can develop it together. And I just, you know, in my 40s, developed a love of roller coasters. Who knew? That is so fun. That is really so is. fun. <laughs> um, I have so many questions that started at, I have five boys and a stepdaughter. <laughs> um, yeah, I have so many questions. And so it's funny, right before we started recording, we were talking, this could not, this conversation could not come at a better time because right now I have twin two and a half year olds and they're amazing. And then sometimes it feels like we're not going to make it. Like half, I would say like half the time I'm like, we are nailing this. They are amazing. We're having so much fun. Our relationship is growing because they can like talk and interact and I'm loving it. And then yeah, half the time we're like getting our butts kicked. And so I feel like I, I need some mom like love right now. And so I'm so just, I'm just so grateful for your book and for your heart and the fact that I get to talk to someone who's gone before me and survived. So well, and that's why I, that's why I can do this now that my youngest is 14. My oldest is 24. My stepdaughter is 27. I, I couldn't have this message and I couldn't speak to women if this was 20 years ago because I was in the middle of the throes of it. Like you you really need to get some time. And I think of all of the women who went before me and spoke into my life and told me, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. They were the women who had children who were either grown or almost grown. And, you know, they had some time on them and they understood it. And they were able to put an arm around me and give me wisdom. And I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, hey, it's okay. Let's go ride a roller coaster. I'm going to give you an ice cream cone. I'm going to tell you you're going to survive and and you're going to get through this. Because the truth is those years with young kids, they are 
amazing sometimes. And sometimes they're just really, 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 really hard. And what women do to other women that makes me really angry is they say, enjoy them while they're little as if there is some ticking time bomb and it's going to get really hard one day. Hello, you're at the hardest period. It is never going to be harder than it is for you right now, Stephanie. It is It is only onward and upward from here. It is never going to be this hard. It is so hard right now. It's just roses from you here on out. Trust me. I, I hate it when I hear women go, enjoy them while they're little. I did enjoy them while they're little, I guess. Um, but I enjoy them way more now. No, it's great now. It was really hard to enjoy them because every five seconds they're losing their mind about something. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. We just recently got to the phase um, where we're like mad if we get the wrong cup, like the oh, wrong color cup. Yeah. And it happened while I was out of town. So I, w- I got to go away for just a really great girls weekend. We've been trading off this summer doing weekends. My husband Mark. just got back from a golf weekend. And um, I came back and I tried to hand Annie the pink cup. And she was like, no, and like threw it back at me. And Carl laughed and was like, mama doesn't know. Annie gets the purple cup. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I've been gone two days. <laughs> Just, yeah. I, I, but I, oh, I yeah. love hearing that, especially now that we're going into summer, you know, as we're talking right now, people say the thing about like, well, you only have 18 summers with your kids. Nope. I hate that. And I'm like, I just... I, like, I'm just trying to get us out the door in the morning. I'm and not thinking about summer... It's kind of shaming to women. And it's like there's it's like you're going to lose your kids as if there is this bomb that's going to go off and you're going to lose your kids. Like yeah, kids go off to college but they're home in the summer. And mm. for me, I have children who are grown. I still have a great relationship. We still text every day. We still call all the time. We still do family vacations. It's not like I've lost them. Um yeah. Now, this advice still goes around. I fell for this when I was a young mom. I saw someone and they told me to get a marble jar. Have you ever heard of the marble jar? So you fill up the marble jar and you put in this certain number of marbles and this is the number of weeks in your child's life before they go away to college or they graduate high school. And every week you take out a marble to remind you to spend your time intentionally to steward your time well to make sure you're loving them and teaching them and blah, 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 blah. And I fell for it and I had this marble jar in my kitchen. And a friend of mine with grown children came over. She was also a psychologist. And she came over and she said, oh, I see you have this marble jar in your kitchen. It was full of so many marbles. And she said, what's it for? And I really wanted to impress her fellow mom. And I told her the spiel about the marble jar and she took a moment and she said, well, that sounds like a recipe to feel terrible as a mom, like a failure. And, and I just blurted out, I hate it. I hate this marble jar so much. <laughs> and she said, Allie, it sounds like that would be great for some women's personalities, but for most women, that's a recipe for guilt and misery as a mom. And I said, I hate it so much. And yeah. that's when I realized like 90% of the advice in parenting books and advice you see on the internet just makes women feel bad about themselves. Before I started writing this book about motherhood, I sent out an email to women on my list, over a thousand women answered. And I asked, what was the last book on motherhood you read? And most women answered that it was a book on parenting. And get this, a lot of women wrote back and said, either I wish I had never read it, or I stopped reading it halfway through, or I felt worse 
after I started reading it than before because it made me feel so bad about myself. And I was like, this is the state we're in as mothers. We're trying to get help, but everything out there is just making us feel terrible. Is it the, like, I wish I had never read it. Is it like it gave them this whole laundry list of things that they were supposed to do? It's like, I didn't even know that was an option of something I was supposed to do. And then after they read it, they couldn't like not know it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the faith space. So then there's like all the added on guilt of like, everything you do in the future of your child is 100% on your shoulders. And it's just making women feel like failures. So that was kind of my my message. Like, you've got to write this book right now. Yeah. Okay, well, so we need to talk about the book. Tell oh, yeah. us. Um, so it's I love when this came like into my email. It was like, Steph, will you check this out? I'm like, uh, a hundred million percent yes. <laughs> it's called Remaining You While Raising Them, The Secret Art of Confident Motherhood. And I just, like, the, it's, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty tired right now. So the chances of me crying during this episode, especially when I say things like that, are just like, hi. Um, and we're just catching, we're catching me on a tender day. Talk about why, just tell us about the book. Tell us about the book yeah. and where this came out, like what this has looked like for you. And I don't know, just tell us anything we need to know about the book. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because this is my fifth book and this is a book that was really born of my own frustration. You know, I sent out that survey to figure out where are women, you know, because as an author, you don't want to write about parenting and you don't want to write about marriage because if you write about parenting or motherhood, it's like your child's going to go to prison. And if you write about marriage, you're going to get divorced, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you don't want to tempt fate. You don't want to do that, right? (laughs) So those are the two things you don't want to touch, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you just don't do it. But for me, the nonsense that was out there and the way women are suffering at the, like, parenting industrial complex of nonsense out there for women and to send out that survey uh, to a thousand women and to realize the stuff that's out there is just making women feel terrible, that's how I knew I had to do it. And none of my children are in prison and hopefully won't be. So, you know, got emotionally raised and I know a thing or two. And what I did was I, I partnered up with a researcher to go through all of the research that's been done on parenting to go, what actually works? What doesn't work? Because we have a lot of people who are really cute on Instagram and TikTok saying what they think works. But like, I want to know studies that have been done over 50 years and 20 years of what actually works and what doesn't work. Did that and then partnered with some counselors. So it's not just my opinion, but it's actually mental health professionals. So we can go, here's what's, here's my stories. Here's what therapists know to be true. And then let's, let's figure out from the research what matters and what doesn't matter. Like, let's just, let's give women freedom. Because we have enough opinion from our moms, from our aunts, from our grandmothers, from influencers all over who are telling us that we need to grow our own organic wheat in the backyard and then make sandwiches for our children every day and savor every moment. And who knows what other nonsense is going around. Like, let's just have a recipe for freedom. And be wise women where we can back up with research to go, you know what? Here's a story or here's a, here's a research of 5,000 children over 30 years 
And actually, that doesn't matter. Like, how about we just have a recipe for freedom as moms? That's what we need. So if that's what I can give women, let's go for it. That's why I did it. What were some of the things that you... um, Like, I have a couple... Like, I want to hear, like, a couple different lists if I can. Like, what were a couple... What were some of the worst pieces of advice other than maybe the marble jar, which again, <laughs> might work for some people, but yeah, what were some of like the most commonly believed or passed around pieces of advice that you're like, this is trash? Okay, here's something crazy. You know how children who are surrounded by books do better in school? Uh-huh. Have you heard that one? Uh-huh. Well, we all, we all hear that and go, okay, well, let's surround our children with books. Well, it could be that children who grow up in a home surrounded by books, it's because parents who have homes surrounded with a ton of books just have really high IQs and they've passed on those genes to their children. Like, when you get into the research, it's pretty wild. So there's this thing called the Minnesota Twin Study. And... They have studied twins for decades and decades and decades. And I'm not saying don't read to your kids. I'm just saying like when you, when you look at the study of genetics, it's pretty wild. And they separated kids, this, these two children at four weeks old. So it's not like they were influencing each other at four weeks old. These two boys, both named James or Dodo. Two boys, yeah, both named James. And they grew up completely separately. They... Both named their sons the same things, just a different spelling. They both married women with the same name. They both had a dog they named Toy. They both did the same thing as a career. They both had the very same car. They both grew up in Ohio, randomly, because they were adopted in Ohio. They both vacationed in the same three-block area in Florida. They both served as volunteer law enforcement. They both had a career in mathematics. Um, If you, and I I go through all this in the book, like, and if you go through like the Minnesota twin study, it is amazing how similar people grow up. Now, they both were adopted into families where they were loved and cared for. These are optimal surroundings. If they were adopted and one of them had been in an abusive environment, then obviously that they wouldn't have turned out just alike. But the point is, the thing that it was the big takeaway from this study is our genetics play more of a role than we realize. Like mm. we are knitted together in our mother's womb. Like our DNA is our DNA. And if we are kept safe and loved every day and given nutrition and a place to thrive, we are going to be who we are. No matter what happens, whether we are potty trained at 18 months or three and a half, whether we go to preschool or we start school at age six, whether we do this or that. And the motherhood industrial complex has convinced women that every single thing we do is the be-all, end-all in our child's life. So we feel like from the time we wake up in the morning till the time we go to sleep, if we do anything wrong, we have completely screwed up our child's life. But when you study the research, 
of everything, we realize, oh, it all kind of comes out in the wash. Like if you look, for instance, with children who learn to read, you can teach your child to read at age three, or you can teach them to read in second grade. And it by the time they're like in fourth grade, it doesn't really matter. So like we can we can push our kids to do things early or we can kind of naturally let them develop and it's all fine. And when we realize what the research says, we can kind of sit back and go, oh, what if I don't have to work so hard? What if I can take the pressure off myself and just love my kid and enjoy my kid? That changes modern motherhood completely. Because as I say in the book, the culture of modern motherhood is breaking women, but it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to buy into, I've got to do everything perfectly. If I do anything wrong, my child's going to suffer for it. I mean, the way we are living, um, constantly stressed out, you know, constantly frazzled, beating ourselves up all the time. What's happening is we aren't emotionally healthy but we want to raise emotionally healthy children. And we it is impossible for us as mothers to raise emotionally healthy children if we're breaking ourselves. Like what if we actually did less, focused on our own emotional health more and just created an environment of our homes of more emotional health? I think we all would thrive. I think the natural overflow would be happiness for our whole family. I know that, that um, like, this isn't a motherhood podcast, and so a lot of the women in our community don't have kids. Yeah. Um, and I think that if I were listening to this a few years ago, I would be like, well, yeah, like, of course you can't screw up your kid by, like, reading, you know, one too few books to them, or of course, whatever. You guys, this is so real. This is so real. The latest, um, we're about to start potty training, And so like that question of, you know, like, is it too early? Is it too late? Like, I haven't even read about it yet because I am afraid that the second I read about it, I'm going to go, oh my gosh, it's too late. Or like, if we do it this way, we will, you know, teach, we will infuse our children with this shame or like, we will make them feel, I don't know. It's like every single tiny decision is just there's so much pressure on it. And I don't even have like, I'm not even reading all the parenting books because I know that I'm going to walk away feeling terrible. Like I'm not even doing, I'm not even, you know, reading all the blogs. I'm I'm, I'm sheltered from, from a lot of it. And I don't have, you know, my mother-in-law is not calling me, you know, telling me all the things I'm doing wrong. Neither is my mom. Like they're great. And still, you know, we're trying to figure out if, you know, when preschool, what preschool, you know, we have one thing that we're doing for the summer. Is it right? Are we totally messing them up because they're so sad when we leave them every day? Like, I I don't know. It just, this is so real. It is so real. How do we, so I think if I'm taking this a step further, like we feel the pressure to do all of these things. And we feel like if we get one of them wrong, we're going to mess up everything. Yeah. And you're saying if we just do less of these things, like maybe you read one less book, maybe you have them in one less activity, maybe two and a half doesn't need to be when they start their gymnastics and swimming and ballet and art careers, you know, like maybe you just don't do it yet. 
Yeah, or, or here's the thing. Do it if you want to and you have the time and you enjoy it. Don't do things because we feel like we should. But like, it, it really genuinely feels like, like that feeling, like I'm prioritizing my, my well-being over my kids' well-being. If I'm, like if I go take a shower instead of reading another book to them but, or something. But here, here's the thing. Moms need to learn to prioritize their well-being over their kids some because when we get into a pattern of always prior, always prioritizing kids' well-being over ours, we end up kind of shriveling on the vine. And a mom that lets herself shrivel on the vine will end up being emotionally unhealthy. And children that grow up with emotionally unhealthy mom will not have a, ch- a happy childhood. That's the thing. Like the premise of this book is your children will not be more emotionally healthy than you are. The one thing that we want to do as moms is raise emotionally healthy children, right? I got you on that one. I know. I got you on that one. But being a great mom is less about what we do and more about who we are. We got to do less to be great moms. Moms are doing everything, but we're shriveling on the vine. And we can do everything, but if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be happy. Our kids are going to feel it, even if we're doing everything right. And there's going to be the undercurrent of mom's not happy. Kids don't understand why mom's not happy, and they internalize it. It is a happier childhood for kids to to have a mom doing less and being happier. Gymnastics Mm -hmm. are not as important as a happier mom. So I'm like the lone woman on the horizon going, hey, stop doing so much. Put your feet up and drink a lemonade and let your kids watch Bluey and just be happy because your kids are going to be way happier for it. Also, Bluey's awesome. For real. real. I mean, I let my kids grow up watching TV and had a valedictorian. There's no correlation. It's not going to rot their brains. I'm, I'm the woman out here saying it's okay. We don't have to do so much. And we don't control the world. Just, you don't even know what just, to say to that one. No, just everyone, <laughs> just take a breath. Just take a breath. Just take a breath. <laughs> it really is so funny because, like, I know better. I do. Like, I know better than to, than, it's, it's one of the things that I always talk about with women is, like, what, what advice would you give your friend? If your best friend was asking yep. you this question, what so would good. you tell her? So good. And it's because we know things that we don't know. We know things for other people that we don't know for ourselves. Right. And that is so true of this. Like, I would say this exact same thing to anybody else. I had friends um, before I had kids of my own. I had friends who struggled with breastfeeding because so many people do. It is really hard. It is. And I remember, a, I remember several friends of mine telling me how they felt like they weren't able, they felt like they were falling short as a mom because they didn't physically have enough milk to give to their kids. And I immediately like shot back with how 
they absolutely have enough to give to their kids and they're not a better mom if their kid has more breast milk and less formula and that they just need to be fed and loved and they're not falling short. And this is something they absolutely cannot control and all these things. But when I didn't have enough milk for my kids, I really, like it, I felt like I was going to mess them up. Like I felt like they were, you know, getting the short end of the deal because I, I couldn't provide for them in the way that I wanted to. And it took me a while to get over that, even though, again, I, like I'm insulated from, I don't have people yelling in my ears about how breast is best. Like I just don't have that in my life, but I still had those messages like inside of me. And it took me so long to finally be like, formula is a gift. My kids need to eat. Like yeah. we're doing the best we can. And and it turned out fine. I saw a, a meme on, I it said something like, it was like two slides and it was like, only like, exclusively breastfed kids and then kids who've had some formula. Oh, like heaven forbid. And then it was like, it slid to the same thing. And it was like eating uh, old French fries off of the, exactly. floor of the minivan. It was like, <laughs> we all end up in the same place. And that is, that is just true. And <laughs> I will tell you from research, there is no long-term difference. I mean, from yeah. thousands of kids, from, from decades of research, uh, there's no difference. And when I, I did survey, again, over a thousand moms, and I asked about mom guilt, like what is the single biggest cause of mom guilt? It's not mother-in-laws, it's not husbands, it's not even themselves. The biggest single cause was social media. Because I think that people scroll through and they see images of women and kids, you know, you go through and there's this other family and even the dog is smiling where... <laughs> Like, like they're all in matching outfits and you look and like your dog is throwing up on the carpet and your kid is freaking out because there's a drop of water on the outside of the sippy cup. You know what I mean? Or the sippy cup is pink. Uh And the thing we have to remember, especially with social media. Now I'm an entrepreneur. I am, I am here for women having businesses online. I teach women how to have successful businesses online. That's what I do all day long, every day. I love it. But Women have successful businesses by presenting imagery on social media. Like that's what they do. There's great money in that. So when we are scrolling through social media and we see influencers posting beautiful pictures or beautiful videos of their families, a lot of times that is a business. So we have to go, oh, it's not that other women have it all figured out and I don't. We have to remind ourselves this is an influencer and this is a business. It's not real life, right? But because we see hundreds or thousands of images like that a day, our brain, like it's impossible for our brain to keep that front and center all the time. And mom guilt just is beating women up all the time because we live in real life. And our real life doesn't look like everyone's carefully curated images that they're doing as part of their business model. Yeah. Yeah. 